0: feel confident with it and you know your instruments you can just start winging it and play forever and it's cool it doesn't feel like you are winging it it feels great
1: that's alberto racconati i'm jamie green and this is trading fours to another edition of Trading Fours. I'm your host, Jamie Green, and let's start with just a little bit of housekeeping. I know a lot of you are probably wondering why this isn't the Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's fame interview, especially since I promoted that at the end of the Go-Go Ray interview. Well, as you might imagine, Kathy is really busy, uh, so we've had to reschedule her interview, but uh, don't worry, it's still happening. That's what her publicist is telling me, that it is still happening. So, um, I'm supposed to reach out here in a week or so, and we'll get it scheduled, and I'll let you know as soon as I know. But I wasn't just gonna hang out and do nothing. Uh, there's so many great musicians all over the world, and a lot of them are right here in Kansas City, so let's focus on that. Here's a little riddle for you. What do you get when you combine classical trumpet with electronic music? Any guesses? Any guesses? Well, the answer is today's guest, Alberto Roccanati. Alberto is an amazing trumpeter here in Kansas City. Who isn't sitting on his laurels? Nope, he's being creative and working on electronic music on top of his classical trumpet work. What you get is what you're hearing right now, an intriguing amalgamation of two musical styles that, quite frankly, works. Alberto is a native of Italy, but he came to America to follow his studies on the trumpet and earn his doctoral degree. He's got a really down-to-earth, cool style. He was really fun to talk to, learned a lot, which is why I I like doing this podcast. And uh, I love that he's being so creative, merging two very different musical styles to come up with a very new one. So let's get started. Here's my conversation with Alberto Rocanotti. So I, I'm asking everybody this, Alberto, because it's it's so germane in 2020. How are you holding up? How how you doing, man?
0: Uh, <laughs> what a question. Well, um, it's it's going on well. You know, the I'm a teacher, and uh, I work at the library at UMKC, and uh, I'm a musician. So the musician part of things, obviously, is not working out that well right now, uh, but. Luckily, mm, I have been able to keep my studio going during the, the pandemic. So if there's anything that I can say uh, is that I, I have been working the whole time, which is better than not working, you know? Uh, so as far as that is concerned, I've been holding up okay. Obviously, um, uh, it's been a long time since I've you know stepped into a crowded bar. Just yeah. the idea, just mentioning it makes your skin crawl at this point. <laughs> um, and, Isn't you that- know, I haven't played concerts. I haven't had, like, a real engagement with, with a real audience, even though I still keep, you know, uh, obviously on social media, a lot of them, you know, contacts with people that like your music. I listen to other people's music all the time, of course. But, you know, being there and doing it and seeing somebody moving to your beat is just something that is special something that means a lot to me you know doing this sort of thing live and uh that ain't happening you know um so obviously i'm not gonna be here saying it's great uh but uh but uh there's a lot of people that had it much worse so i really can't complain
1: yeah it's uh it's it's interesting times and and, you know um part of this idea of this podcast is to kind of give people a little bit of background and how music works stuff too and i I assume that probably as a trumpet player i mean you've got a spit valve too so you're probably even more cognizant of the fact that you're you know when you're playing you're probably spreading germs if if you've if you've got covid i mean it's even even harder i mean i know singers have a problem because they're projecting and their voice yeah um
0: well this is this is controversial and at the end of the day um nobody should talk unless you have like degrees and actual data now here's the thing uh brass instruments it, it may be a little bit different for something like a clarinet or or a flute mm-hmm. but for brass instruments uh there can be situations in which while you play there it might be like a little tiny you know sprinkling at the corners of your mouth we're talking like a droplets right but right. i've seen people you know covering their bells and doing this sort of thing and i mean you can never be too safe i guess so i'm not saying that it it shouldn't be done or whatever you know do take precautions but right it doesn't really um it there is no uh spit matter that travels together with the sound because you're not pushing air out of the horn it's just vibrations the air is pretty much standing still right um so i you mean, you gonna
1: put the spit valve you just gotta put that in the trash or somewhere safe that's right when you have yeah the, i've seen yeah. people
0: buying some li- a little like a plastic thingy that you hang on to your spit valve and whatever but right I mean, I'm a musician and I, and obviously my living has been jeopardized by what's happening, but I feel like the safest thing to do is to just not show up. Um, You know, then if you do show up, you can, you know, it's good to take precautions. I'm glad to see that some of us are doing this mindfully. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. We're doing outdoor shows. That's what I'm doing. Outdoor shows and the band's six feet apart from everybody. And we stay way apart from the people in the crowd. And I mean, it's not perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's not perfect. Sometimes I get a little nervous. I don't know who these people are in the crowd, um, but I watch them and I'm like, man, they seem awfully close, you know? Um, but I don't know if they could be husband wife. I don't know. Um, and as a band, I I try to be, you know, we are smart on our end. It's such mixed emotions. You don't know, you know, how much you can clamp down on people, how much you you know you're trying to entertain and make people forget about the world for a few hours and do it in a smart mm-hmm. fashion, but you're also a little concerned about maybe people aren't making the best decisions when they're out there. There's no perfect answer
0: well uh, i think I feel like some people need to be um, need to forget about the world outside, some other need to be reminded of it, and so when you go and play out for crowds you know i've been doing since this whole thing has started i feel like i've done probably four or five back porch things you know you put a hat out or you just you know uh, because i I work with orchestras and whatnot so it does happen that they do some like a smaller ensemble like a brass quintet or something like that and you go play in the backyard you know it's this thing it's it's as safe as it can possibly be right Uh, but i've also took part in some you know initiatives that didn't make me feel good about it. I'll just say that you know I was like, well, the, the 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 spirit is the right spirit, but this sh- really shouldn't have been happening because of these things that are going on. And yeah, uh, I want you to have a good time, and I want to have a good time giving you a good time. Uh, but if that has if that's a hazard, I don't want to do it. We shouldn't yeah. to- be doing. So I
1: have felt like that once or twice.
0: Yeah, of course. But I, yeah,
1: I mean it's natural. I mean it, it just it, it's the world's a messy place right now. It's just not it's not a messy place. But let's talk some happy stuff. I, I you know I'm always fascinated about musicians and how they end up where they are and how they do. So obviously, Alberto, for people listening, they can tell you. I, I think they can tell anyway. You're not a, a native Kansas Cityan. So. Uh yeah no. <laughs> so how long have you been here?
0: Uh, well, I lived in Kansas City for four and a half, four years now, for four years, and, I, and I've been in the US for seven. Uh, so I'm originally from uh, Southern Italy. Okay. Um, I've been traveling because of music, really, mostly. I left home um, when I was 21 i left my country when i was 21 uh and sort of never came back i do go back once every year every couple years obviously but not in uh, you know since i left i kind of left for good and i go back to visit but it's always been because of music
1: well you know it's, it's interesting obviously uh Europe has a much longer history with music and Europe obviously is where classical music came from and stuff. I mean, America is much more, we're known for jazz and blues, right? Um, so was coming over here, was it it's solely to get your education? I think you are you either have a doctorate or you're working on a doctorate. What's your situation?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 99% down with my doctoral degree, yes.
1: So you, um, I, you want to teach? What do you want to do, Alberto? Uh,
0: well... Um, I primarily am a musician, so I would say that my primary, uh, goal is to perform. Uh, I, I grew up as a classical musician. So, you know, if you're a classical musician and you play an orchestral instrument, not always, but let's say that by default, what you, the most prestis- prestigious, job that you can, uh, hope to get would be an orchestral job right obviously i don't need to tell you it's incredibly competitive and kind of like super toxic right um it's it can be very rewarding uh but it's like i i feel like somebody said winning an, an, a, an orchestra job right now it's like winning the you know a the, the u.s open right or something like that it's like it's a dead level it, you don't have to be good you have to be exceptional, exceptional.
1: You know? yeah well it's we said it sort of at the same terrible. time
0: um so I I stu- I still study and I still trying to pursue this sort of career. I do play in orchestras around here. Uh although I in the past five, seven years I found out that I really, really, really enjoy teaching. Um so I love bringing to the table all the things that I experiment with and that I found out with and you know, sharing it to with my students. So that has been something that has, has been very rewarding. And, um, as a musician, honestly, you know, the, you don't have, by definition, you don't, you're not supposed to have like a steady job unless you, maybe you get, you know, back in the old days, you could get like uh, steady gigs and something like that. And to some extent you still do, mm-hmm. but the real steady job for a musician, honestly, is teaching. You said yeah. your dad was, did that. So, yeah, and he was a jazz trumpet player. So I guess you know something about that too. Yeah. He, uh,
1: you know, uh, he had the day job at the university uh, and uh, that was what fed us all four of us kids. But he also, he played every weekend. He played gigs every weekend from when he was, I don't know, 16 till he was in his late fifties when he had a heart attack and it sidelined him. But you know uh, it's such a, it's interesting. You know, teaching is such a skill set, right? I think people think if you're good at something you can teach, but teaching is, so much more than that it's actually being able to transfer your knowledge to a, to your student and also being able to convey yes. that and, and make it interesting for the student and challenges to so i mean you can be a great trumpeter or a great guitar player or a great whatever but you could still be a lousy teacher
0: absolutely yeah, yeah. usually the legend goes that the best people at, at doing something are the worst at teaching it <laughs> uh, i've seen i mean i've seen things that disprove that but in general i would I tend to agree. I'm talking about a world class number one in your field, right? Um, Because most probably you didn't really have to learn it in a conventional way. Therefore, you don't identify with the struggles that common folk have. So um, it's not always, you know. I've had many. I've seen teachers, uh, world class musicians, just say, "Just play it." Right. You know. I can't do this. Just do it. Just do it. That's how you do it. You know. And they do it. And so. Yeah. That's kind of lousy teaching. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you, you need to be a good student in order to be a good teacher. I think. Yeah. Um, being a good student doesn't necessarily involve doing the job that you're asked to do all the time, but definitely involves, you know, being curious about things, having your questions, being, knowing what to ask at what time. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I usually, you don't, when it comes to individual music, I also uh, host master classes and seminars and, and stuff like that in high schools in preparation for all, all state you know, right. uh, auditions. But when I'm teaching one-on-one, I don't teach two people the same ever because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you, know, you got kids, you got adults, you got comeback players, you got yep. people. Yeah, so uh, it really depends on what you're doing. And so I'm glad to have accumulated like enough experience in a variety of situations so that I can I I feel like I can try to take from a variety of sources uh whenever I'm teaching somebody.
1: No, that's great. I, I, I think you're spot on. I think I I think if you're like a top, you know, rate if you're Michael Jordan basketball or if you're you know, I don't know, there's uh, Rafael M- the yeah. Raphael Mendez and Trumpet, I don't know. Who it would it be? Sure, uh yeah. uh you probably don't have the patience right because you're like you said you're like no nah, just do it i i can do it why can't you do it right there's probably a lot of that so yeah it's yeah. interesting so let's talk about the trumpet specifically so what made you pick it up and like who do you listen to and you're like man i love how they play
0: um well uh that kind of happened by i don't want to say but it was it just happened i would say that it just happened when i was a kid uh i had somebody in my family Couple years older than me, who uh, who played trumpet and used to have one an old one hanging around. So I guess that when it was my time to, I started playing relatively late for the American standard. I started playing trumpet at 12. So by that age, that was like junior high for me. And so um, I was like, well, I guess you play trumpet because we have one over here, and we right. don't have to buy any other instrument, okay? And so that's kind of how it started. I wish I had a a nice love story to tell you, but that's how it started off. Because when you're a kid, you just, it's just going to basketball class, you know, you just do it. It's just something else on your schedule that your parents put there to keep you busy. Uh, And so with time and with, you know, growing up and developing these skills, I started loving it more and more. Uh, I really got into music. Uh, when I was 14, 15, and that was not really much because of trumpet, I kind of used it as an academic tool for many years, Okay. when I started playing, meaning that my teacher gives me five exercises, I practice them, I deliver, that's it, but I really got into playing with my, I used to be a drummer, okay, uh, in rock and metal bands when I was like 15, I was crazy about it, so Uh, who'd you like in
1: rock and metal? What was it like? Who are your bands?
0: Uh, okay. Well, I started off like co- probably every teenager. My first heavy band ever was Nirvana. Okay. Uh, and then I, from there, I, I discovered, you know, Metallica, Slayer.
1: And this is back uh, in Italy, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This was back in the day. And then I, I just kept going deeper and deeper. I started listening to, you know death metal and i started listening to you know um th- that kind of music a lot when I, until I, w- I would say that that went on until i was 2021
2: 20, yeah.
0: um and, and that was like a lot for me like i played in a band and we you know we recorded we had like a record deal and we did all those things so that was completely external from what i did on the trumpet right yeah, it's, the that, that's interesting gone, I
1: mean, that's a little of a, bit of a dichotomy i mean yeah classical trumpet it's very regimented you're reading a, somebody who's written the music for it right you're playing mm-hmm. it up and, and uh, death metal it's you and your buddies pounding it out you know playing yeah, loud you know, long and loose. Ha-
0: long hair and uh, you know and uh, <laughs> packed venues decadent venues you know playing yeah. for your peers and stage yeah. diving and all that yeah that w- it was great well i I don't know. That was really my, that was really all I cared about, you know, and you're 17, 18, you don't have a clear vision or anything, you know? So I just liked the fact, the the community aspect of it, where for when it came to my conservatory studies and that other stuff, I did it, I liked it, but I wasn't feeling yet um, called. I I didn't really feel part of a scene or part of a, of something like that. Right. So it's really the, the scene aspect of it that really stuck with me. I, I'm not particularly fond of death metal music right now at this point. I don't dislike it, but um, in some sense, since I stopped playing with this, this band I had with my peers, uh, it kind of faded away slowly from my sure. life. Uh, although I still listen to The Rock Station in Kansas City.
2: Yeah, Well, uh, yeah.
0: They're great. Um, and uh yeah so I, I always cultivated something on the side besides classical music it wasn't until tw- i was 20 21 that i was like this is really great this is really there's a lot of music to be heard in classical music right
2: mm-hmm. i
0: really it really started talking to me in a way i, I started really feeling things while listening to it and i really started to be more absorbed into that word so you know So that happened kind of later for me, being really, really serious about classical music. For most kids, I would say that that happens before that. But I had the, you know, underground music scene sort of thing um, taking my interest. And I'm I'm glad it did, honestly, because uh, that taught me a lot of, that taught me a lot when it comes to, you know, community, sharing a scene with other people, being part of something, playing in a small group setting well so, i think yeah. whether
1: you're playing a nirvana tune or you're playing a you know a, a mozart tune if it's with the collaboration with musicians you have to learn how to play with other musicians and how exactly. to make eye contact and make sure that you mm-hmm. know not just listen to what you're doing but actually listen to what the right. other people are doing right. i mean that's a skill set so if that makes sense that you you would let you would get something out of it absolutely
0: yeah, so it definitely definitely taught me a lot, and then I realized that the same skills playing in a band, you know, is the same skills, but you can expand them to play with sixty people or a hundred people sometimes. Right. Playing like through a Mahler symphony or something like that, uh, which is an amazing experience uh, to listen to and to be a part of at the same time. Uh, but I feel I know that it, it sounds very. Um, it's not. I'm, when we're listening to these two kinds of music, they're very different. But the skills that go into it and the kind of like collaboration aspect that goes into it, uh, it's pretty much the same right. in two different settings.
1: So Alberto, if people are listening to this and this is interesting to them, and they they want to learn a little bit more. I mean, I think everybody, I would hope, has heard of Mozart and has heard of you know Beethoven so. and has heard of Bach at least. Uh, but who are some of the people that, 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 that from the classical side that have written some things for trumpet that that you really like and you find it you know very enjoyable to play? Like who should we be listening for other other uh, composers?
0: Uh, I my favorite style of classical music it's really the early 20th century. Uh, I'm really I really love the late impressionistic, the neoclassicism. So I like guys like Stravinsky a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably for many aspects, my favorite composer, even though he and I have written necessarily my favorite piece of music, but he's it's like, it's just a guy that wrote in a variety of styles. Um, I like Russian 20th century as well. I'm talking about the first 20th century. Right. The thing is that trumpet has really evolved a lot mechanically along the years. So what Mozart had as a trumpet his availability of what we call a trumpet was very different than what we have right now it was pretty much one of those heraldic looking long brass pipes that could play um five notes like or little more they could play specific pitches within the scale um we don't see a chromatic trumpet until the end of the 19th century really Uh, and so, and by the time, uh, between the time in which it was invented and the time in which it was like regular, regularly used in orchestras, there was some time in between. So we're really seeing trumpet used as a instrument that can play chromatically Mm -hmm. with ease together with other, you know, with any other instrument of the orchestra, only in the first 20th century. So I'm kind of biased in that way. Makes sense. Uh, because that's when my instrument has been has been exploited the most. Although there are pieces that come before that that are absolutely you know amazing. Uh, I'm talking about the orchestral literature. When it comes to solo literature, uh, there are things that I like. There is a lot of French composers that really uh, went deep into the trumpet concerto by Henry Tomasi. It's probably my favorite concerto for trumpet and. Again, it's all stuff that you're gonna see like at the beginning of the 1900s because before then, it was a very limited instrument and nobody wanted to write solo music for it. So, um, you that's the time in which trumpet really flourished. If you ask a violin player, it's definitely you know they have like Mm -hmm. a much more literature to choose from. The violin was already super established in 1801 or much before that. They already knew, they already went through all the possible things you can do with it. And it's arguable that they didn't do all that yet when it comes to brass instruments.
1: Totally makes sense. See, and one of the reasons why I like doing this is I learned something. So, I mean, if you made me, if you put it, you know, said, when did the trumpet develop? I probably would have guessed maybe in the 1800s at some point. As a mod the modern trumpet, I mean, but I really hadn't well, thought about it. Well,
0: we're talking about, do I have a trumpet? A
1: three-valve. Yeah. yeah,
0: the three-valve system, that was uh, – I mean, it's arguable who invented and who didn't, but Adolf Sachs, the guy who invented the saxophone, right? he, he is one of the first person, if not the first person, uh, who came up with the valve system. Before that, it was like – there was a system of holes, so they had, like, some holes that would, like, slightly change the pitch, but it was kind of wonky – it wasn't really something that you could rely upon. It was mostly like, let's make this work somehow because the composer wants to. Um, yeah, Almost but- Like the trumpet a bugle?
1: Was that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but- Like was,
0: a hole that you would have on a recorder.
1: Yeah, so it was like a bugle with holes in it, essentially.
0: Yes, yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, bugles have, some of them have, have keys on them. The, some old ones, they would have keys and the keys pretty much does the same thing that you would do like on a, on a flute. It would just, like, release a hole, and so it would change the pitch in that way. But trumpets, per se, trumpet per se is a very, very ancient instrument. Uh, I mean, they're all over the Bible. They're all over oh,
2: yeah.
0: ancient Egypt, you know. They're, like, they're been known for forever, pretty much, since we have memory, because it's a very – the mechanic of it is very simple. You buzz your lips to a, a conic uh, thing, and it car- it's very loud, and it carries out, so that was – uh, part of daily life for many people back in the day.
1: Right. So when you came to America, obviously you came to study classical. What do you enjoy doing in Kansas city besides work? Like, I mean, you like to go see jazz guys. Do you like to just go eat good food? What, What do you like to do here?
0: Yeah. So, um, I love Kansas city. I really like it. I'm not a big city sort of guy. So, um, it's, kansas city is the right dimension for it's the lights right size for me because it's not like a little town i'm an artist so i do need to be in touch with people communities and all that uh there's a lot of stuff going on but at the same time it doesn't make me feel it doesn't have that sense of like dredge that a new york or a chicago would give me right um so i really enjoy being here uh i really like going to concerts Back in the day when that was a
2: thing,
0: I actually went to the museum a couple of days ago. The Nelson Atkins just reopened.
2: Right. Uh, I, just, I saw that.
0: How was that? It was amazing. I'm so happy I went back. I highly recommend just going back and just remind yourself that that exists.
1: You know, it's funny, too, uh, and I'm not surprised that you've gone, uh, but I'm always disheartened by native Kansas Cityans that I run into from time to time who have never been inside the Nelson, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it goes from the Byzantine era to, you know, right up to modern times with the extension. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's so much great stuff and then you know they just take donations so if you're too poor you don't even have to pay you just you know can walk and you can spend hours in there so i'm not surprised I mean, the,
0: yeah the museum is free besides the uh they always have some exhibition that you have to pay for and students get half price but the museum itself is always free now you do have to reserve your time because they're doing like timed entry right but it's still free uh no i mean you wouldn't expect that kind of museum to be in kansas city if you wouldn't know i was very surprised when i saw a lot of you know we have bongo we have we have everything we have the castles and all that and just hanging out so that that's an amazing place to be and i love the surroundings of it the architecture it's it's really great um together with playing classical music i also play electronic music. That has been the thing that is uh, kind of like in the past three, four years has, has come into place for me, maybe replacing heavy metal, if you will. I don't know. Uh, so I'm very much involved in the electronic scene. So
1: tell me about that. Are you just writing music? Are you like, how does that work? I, you know, Alberto, I'm 52. So I just pick up a guitar and plug it into an amplifier. So how does electronic music work?
0: Well, I, I pick a synthesizer and I plug it into the amplifier, I guess. Um, <laughs>
1: Fair uh, enough. So well, you you like Pro Tool in it, or you like your your? No,
0: you're I I'm it? an instrumentalist at heart.
1: Okay, so you're so not. To...
0: I for me, working with a computer, it's like it's a turn, it's a complete turn off for me. Okay. I like computers, but not to make music. Uh, although you do have to use one if you want to produce. But no, for me, I really like hardware. So I buy, uh, I go after synthesizers, drum machines. I connect them, you know, to each other and. Uh, I see what comes out of that. Uh, I recorded a couple of releases i'm mm-hmm. um, I'm currently working on a two releases i'm do I'm recording right now, and it all started off just honestly just watching youtube i I didn't know anything about that word and uh, I mean synthesizers are being very hip right now. It's been like a th- three or four years that they used to be really expensive items they used to be really like a niche items Uh, now they're making synthesizers for the working man and uh, it's great so there is a lot of uh entry level stuff that they're doing i started watching some videos and you know five videos later i was like this sounds pretty cool it's like playing video games with music or something Uh, And so I really love the fact that, you know, these hardware, even though every single piece, every single machine, you know, you see is somewhat limited to what it's located, right? Something is a drum machine, meaning like you may not play a, a keyboard piece on it, right? They're kind of limited, but the fact that with these limitations, you can make them speak to each other, connect them, and make music in that way. It kind of really opens up a whole new world because um, it 's a fresh market. you know they 're not going to invent a new trumpet that makes me make music allows me to make music in a different way, probably, although they will invent a synthesizer that will completely reshape the way I make electronic music so it's cutting edge you know it, they come up with new stuff obviously all the time um i'm really drawn by those sonorities i i really like um you know warble sounds you know uh magnetic like- tape hiss you know uh i i really like that sort of stuff like that obviously my knowledge as a classical musician comes into place sure um yeah and um so it pretty much started off just by jamming just i just you know uh started dabbling into it and then i was like why don't i play some trumpet on that and then i started improvising a little bit and uh you know after one year i had my set and uh, i was playing gigs in town uh i did last gig at the record bar in february before this whole thing got shut down so that was that's something that is fairly new for me i've, I've been into it for two three years uh, so, yeah, that's something that is very active in Kansas City as well. Okay. Uh, there's that's, a lot
1: of stuff. That's really interesting. Because, you know, uh well, I you know, I grew up in the 80s. Like, I was in junior high and high school in the 80s. And mm-hmm. the synthesizer was the king in the 80s. I mean, it was, you know, you, every song had some kind of scent on it.
0: Right, yeah. And
1: then, you know, the, that's when Grunge in the 90s and your band Nirvana came and said, <laughs> to all that. We don't want, you know, we <laughs> want... To, and it, so it's interesting how it's coming back and how, like you said, the hardware has gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, um, that you can get things that used to cost thousands and thousands of dollars, not nearly as much, right?
0: I mean, the, the, those things are still out there.
1: Yeah, but I mean, for the layperson that just wants, like you said, yes. do it on YouTube. Um, yes,
0: exactly, yeah.
1: And then, so when you were do like your, your show at the record bar, did you have the synth on stage and you just, you had it all pre-programmed and you hit play and then you play your trumpet with it? How did that work?
0: Uh, well, uh, I do live set. So pretty much it works like I have this, um, I've created this, uh, sort of like it's a gig bag. It looks like it's a giant trunk that I found. And, uh, I pretty much built a little, uh, table in it. And uh, I velcroed all my instruments. I have like I go live with probably around four or five instruments and a couple of pedals. Okay. Uh, so I velcroed four or five instruments into this thing. I routed them. I connected all of them. I put all the cables underneath these fake tables that I built. Right. I tucked them under. So I have. I open. I go to a venue. I open this trunk and I just have gear looking at me. I just plug it in, and I'm ready to go. So everything works like everything happens live. Meaning that. All the changes, all the variations, all the, you know, adjusting to the venue you're at. All, it, it all happened in, in real time, you know, twisting knobs and whatnot. Obviously, I have, you know, I know how a song goes and uh, I play right. through it. But the beautiful thing with electronic music is that um, if you feel confident with it and you know your instruments, you can just start winging it and play it forever. And it's cool. it doesn't feel like you are winging it it feels great uh and it sounds legit but once you know where to go with it it can really take you places and then i go i do this thing where i play my electronics and i play trumpet at the same time okay so i try to make the words converge as much as possible
1: well now i'm bummed i didn't get to see it man I would, well, have lo- I would have loved to seen this because this sounds fascinating to me. You know, when you were describing it, it almost sounded to me like it's like I Velcro it down. It's like it sounds like a guitar player's pedal board, right?
0: Exa- yeah. I mean, that's where I got the ideas, honestly. It's just yeah. slightly mm-hmm. larger, five times yeah. larger,
1: Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we – you've probably have seen guitar. We're always messing with our pedal boards and putting new pedals oh, yeah. on and changing. You know, we're never happy. It's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same –
0: the 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 gas the gear acquisition syndrome that's very strong in the world of uh synthesizers
2: yes um
0: because they manage somehow to come up with something very tempting and shiny every couple months and uh you know i feel like these past months everybody is stuck at home so those are very nice diversions for people that can that can afford it
1: absolutely i mean i you know i've been doing some uh stay-at-home recordings with some of my friends
0: mm-hmm.
1: where, you know, singers in California, I'm here, drummers in Nashville, just something to do, right? Something to, you know, be creative with and work on and absolutely not be sitting there thinking to yourself, this is sad. I'm not, you know, collaborate in a different way. Try to be creative in a different way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've tried to approach this period as something that can be good for me Uh, Because the thing is that I'm having time to work on my craft. I'm having, I'm hitting the brakes so hard that I probably, hopefully, will never do again in my life. You know, there, there hardly going to be another time where I go for seven, eight months, not having a gig because of something like this. Right. Um, So as soon as this started and I had the feeling, uh, you know, and I could see what was coming, uh, I was just like, well, I guess I'm I'm going to stop down and I'm going to stop and work on my craft and try to do this, this, and this. Now, obviously, I would not be thinking back in April that I would be telling you about these things in September yeah. being in the same, on the same boat.
1: No, you'd think um, we would have been smarter by now, right? You know, but... We don't have to get political, but uh, America is a a wonderful country, but we have a bunch of knuckleheads that just say, no, I don't follow rules. So that's part of the problem. So I can say that, you know, it
0: is difficult.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So did you have family back in Italy that were, you know, Italy was one of the first places that was hit really hard with COVID. Were they telling you like, this is really serious. This is bad. Were you getting that kind of information back from home?
0: well it was kind of uh, it was kind of interesting because i it, it's like if i had a time machine you know all, all my family all my close friends are over there i just took and came over here so there's there's no ties i didn't have no ties with america before coming here uh, so everybody i know from you know I've known forever is over there. So I would see all these people struggle with this new thing. And, you know, I would see, I could witness the, how media changed from one day to the other. Mm. While in here we were not, you know, it was, those were the impeachment days, I think. Right, right. So that, that that's what all that would go on in the news. And so I would see these things. And I would hear these things and see all my friends that they rapidly had to shift their lifestyle. Everybody's life got impacted. And in here, we still had it relatively normal. And so I was like, in a way, I kind of knew already what was coming for us um, because there was just no way that it wouldn't arrive to America. And so I already could foresee what was happening because I, I read multiple news sources every day. So I was like, I compare right. all the time. So yeah, in, it was a very it was very different in there because mostly uh, the overwhelming majority of people just mm, decided to do what the government uh, decided was the right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess you, I guess you watch the news and stuff. Italy has been pretty safe. I, I played it pretty safe because they got it pretty bad at the beginning, yeah. so they enforced mandatory shelter-in-place regulations. That meant that unless you would be going to work going to buy your groceries or going to the hospital to be checked in police could stop you at any time and write you a ticket or ask you to go back like there was there were i think it was 6 or 7 weeks in which like the streets were desert there was nobody around you were not allowed out it was not like here where you shouldn't it was like you cannot right um which obviously, you know, and this is, it's not like this happened without anybody saying anything. Obviously, there were people complaining and there still are right now. <laughs> there is a lot of, um, there's a, there, there were protests that were happening. But I will say that the overwhelming majority of people just, you know, played with it and just went with it. And they managed to really contain the curve. And so today is the first day Italian schools have reopened okay Um, um, so the numbers are very different than the numbers you see in America but even though they're way 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 lower and deaths have been in the single digits for like two months now um, people are still very concerned so the yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of difference in in the way that this thing has been approached
1: well, you know, it's interesting, and you probably won't know who this guy is, but I had uh, the, a really famous jazz bassist, Hadrian Ferrard, on. Hadrian's um, played with like John McLaughlin and, you know, Chick Corea and all these jazz giants. And he's like 34, probably. And I actually, when I interviewed him, uh, he was in Paris. He, <laughs> even though he lives in Los Angeles now, he was smart enough. He got home before, you know, everything shut down. And since in another European country that took it a lot more seriously, uh, he's actually able to play indoor gigs right now because their numbers are low Oh enough. yeah,
0: oh yeah. That that has been. Um, I mean, it's it's not completely great, I think, uh, but pretty much a lot of people that I know that are who are musicians down where I'm from are playing gigs almost if nothing was happened. Yeah. And, uh, happened.
1: and how Which jealous is- are we? I mean. Uh, very. Well, I'm very jealous. I don't know how you are, but I, I would love to play an indoor show. it would be amazing. I'd love to play a show where, I don't know, just a normal show.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm conflicted, you know, again, because this is how I make my part of my living, right. a good chunk of my living. So on one hand, yeah, of course, I wish I could be making music with my friends. I wish I could be bringing my music outside, but sometimes you just have to stop. Right. Sometimes it's not about you. You know, that's how I feel about it. Obviously everybody is entitled and everybody is very vocal about what they feel about, you know, especially in this
1: country. So Alberto, I want people to be able to follow you and, and find you and uh, what's the best way for people that have listened to this and like said, this dude's interesting. And I'd like to know more about what, how could they follow you? What's the easiest way?
0: Okay. So, uh, when it comes to my electronic music, I am very active on social media. The pay, the place where I probably post the most is Instagram. Okay. So you can find me at Instagram.com slash underscore sounds. Um, I have an album on Spotify. My, my electronic act name is Alber, So it's the first five letters of my name, uh, A L B E R uh i have an album out on spotify another one to come soon um i have a facebook page i have a band cam page i have soundcloud you name it
2: you're doing
1: it uh,
0: yeah youtube yeah yeah uh, so mostly mostly instagram
1: well, I, I, I will make sure that I put that in the show notes so people can follow you. They can just they'll, they'll be Thank listening you. to this on their phone and they can click on it and, and it'll bring it up. And uh, I, I really appreciate the time. And uh, you'll you need to let me know too for your Spotify album, which song you want me to open up with and which song uh, you want to close out with.
0: Okay, you can open up with Purple. That's the first song uh, on the album. Okay. And you can close down with um, all toys which should be okay the second okay yeah if you if you find me it might be a little bit hard to find me on spotify just because uh the algorithm is a little weird but okay. if you go on my instagram i have a link on my instagram where you can it's a link tree page so you can you can pretty much see everywhere get i'm active and so it, the spotify link is going to be on my instagram
1: um okay i will i will put that up there so people can find you uh it's it's very nice to talk to you i appreciate you reaching out and like i said pleasure one of my favorite things to do is to talk to people that i don't you know i could talk to middle-aged dudes like me that play rock and roll all the time, but it, it probably wouldn't be very good for my edification. I'm not really learning anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I try to talk to you know people from all walks of life that play all kinds of music. And I find that much more fascinating and, and uh, I get a greater appreciation for it. Uh, and and hopefully it'll make me a better musician too. So uh,
0: I appreciate that. That's important. That's very important.
1: So man, I I tell you, I can't wait. I will uh, uh, put this up in a few days and we'll put it up there. And I appreciate the time and the the second we get the all clear and you're back at the record bar, I'll I'll come down and say hello. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. I'll be in touch with you. Uh, I really appreciate, you know, I really love the fact that somebody's taking the time to interview, you know, people like me, people that, who are active in the scene. I feel like these are the things that really solidify us all.
1: alberto Roccanati, everyone really enjoyed that love this it's called he likes to call it to, on his instagram he calls this music style jazz tronica which i really dig it's a good explanation of it um so thanks so much to alberto and I, you know it's interesting us talking about our comfort level with playing live and outside you know i think every musician is struggling with that right now Um, You know, we played last weekend. I try to be as safe as possible, but you just never know. Um, But I kind of think it's like when you get on the interstate, you drive the speed limit, you wear your seatbelt, try to be smart. It doesn't completely eliminate the uh, risk, but it certainly diminishes them greatly. And I think that's how we have to be about COVID too. So uh, that's that for this episode. But hey, next time I've got uh, the great duo of Victor and Penny, a lot of you in Kansas City will know about Victor and Penny. Uh, they What they like to say, they deliver swing-infused folk jazz in the band's signature high-energy style. Um, they're great. They've been around for several years here in Kansas City. I've actually seen them a couple times. A uh, ton of fun. Uh, very good uh, performers and musicians. So that's next time. That'll be on in about a week or two. Uh, so until then, go out and support live music, uh, either virtually or or in person, be sure to vote for my band, Thunder Jacket. the link to the pitch, Best of 2020 for Best Cover Band, I put that in the show notes, because I'm still gonna be a schmo and try to get votes for my band, alright, that's it, I'm done, have a good uh, rest of your week, talk to you later, bye bye.